Lighthouse Live is pre-recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. So good to have you with us. And, of course, Elaine, coming up uh, this week is the infamous February 14th. Valentine's it's Valentine's Day. Day. Yes. And, you know, I thought um, in uh, in honor of uh, Valentine's Day, you know, we, we should kind of get in the mood okay. a little bit. Uh, Almost so, afraid so, to ask. There's a little bit of m- mood music here. <laughs> now... Of course, anybody under 40 is not going to even know, right? Although it's We're in safe. syndication, We're right? Safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, we are going to take this opportunity on Lighthouse Live to talk about marriage and especially communication in marriage and just a... A word of wisdom uh, to all of us uh, out there as, as gentlemen who are, are married. You know, appliances for... This particular holiday is is not a good thing. Would uh, would our, our panel of experts agree with that? Well, Sonia's no. taught me for thirty three years that that would not work. <laughs> <laughs> You're well learned. Yeah. Smart woman. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Smart man. <laughs> On our panel today, we have uh, Terry Benner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Modesto. His specialty, marriage and counseling. Uh, Steve Lawson with Lawson Counseling uh, here in the Modesto area, and the resident doctor, yes. Doctor uh, Jim Henman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, Elaine, we always have to uh, remind people of this you know Jim actually would have carried a second PhD psychoanalyzing me but it was just an impossible task <laughs> I think he's working and so well I, I don't know that that can be done actually uh, without sending Jim to uh, therapy but anyway <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> and of course Elaine Harlan here with us my co-host and the producer for Lighthouse Live and of course the inimitable Mr. Owl our prayer intercessor uh, praying for us during the broadcast as well before we go on and talk to our guests about marriage and communication let's check in with our weekly update from Voice of the Mar- A Christian worker in India was arrested for allegedly converting young Indian children to Christianity. Sonny John runs three boarding schools for children from poor Hindu families in Indore, Madhya Pradesh. He's accused of converting 11 children to Christianity. John denies the charges, stating that children have not converted to Christianity, nor have they complained of anyone attempting to convert them. Pray the case against Sonny John will be dropped, and those bringing the charges against him will see the love of Christ reflected in him. Pray for the continued ministry of these schools in reaching out with hope to many children in the area. Pray John will not lose heart. Though outwardly he is attacked, pray that he will be inwardly strengthened day by day. Call 888-477-0085 to learn about the Voice of the Martyrs' work with those who suffer for Christ and ways you can help, or log on to persecution.com. 
And again, you're listening to Lighthouse Live. So good to have you with us. We so much appreciate your communication, by the way, during the week. Remember, you can contact us by phone at area code 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Of course, our website there as well, vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. And by the way, if you'd like to get connected with opportunities to serve, uh, Elaine, you update that daily update page several times. During the daily, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Every times during the day, and uh, you can pick up on some great opportunities to reach out of the four walls of our churches and our homes to personally serve the needs of others. Again, those opportunities are right there. We'd be uh, privileged yes. to make those connections for you. Again, in just a moment, we'll be uh, talking about marriage and communication as we head towards Valentine's Day. Now, though, before we do that, of course, uh, last week uh, a monumental appointment to the Supreme Court. Justice Alito, and uh, that uh, event did not go unnoticed by our friend Brad Dacus up at the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's check in with Brad. Brad Dacus, welcome back to Lighthouse Live. And, wow, a lot of ramifications, a lot of uh, interesting things to look forward to with the confirmation of uh, Justice Alito. Uh, How do you see it from the Pacific Justice Institute? I think this is definitely um, a step forward, uh, Michael. The... uh, uh, without question, uh, this justice was uh, very qualified. Uh, he had the credentials, the, the background. He had a, a very uh, clear uh, track record to, to follow. You know, that said, uh, he's still a human being, and uh, human beings can let you down, and uh, there will probably be some decisions that will be a disappointment here or there. But, uh, but overall, all in all, uh, we've got a, a very competent man who respects the Constitution and will not allow... Uh, uh, ty- tyrannical uh, judicial activists uh, who uh, let power get to their heads, uh, you know, t- take over. And I- I'm I- I'm very pleased with that. I think it's going to be definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, there was one interesting thing you- you- I'm sure you're aware of, Michael, is that um, his first decision, which was to side it actually with the liberals, and it was uh, regarding a death penalty matter. Right. Um, some people think that, well, maybe he ruled that way because he's a very staunch Catholic and uh, very, you know, solid, staunch Catholics uh, sometimes are uh, against the death penalty. And, uh, uh, however, I think most, uh, looking at it, um, instead, uh, who are pro-death penalty, uh, would, would uh, rather lean towards the idea of him being uh, very cautious uh, with his, uh, and, and since it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't saying uh, we're going to, to grant it, it says we're not going to stop the lower court from uh, reconsidering uh, the facts and postponing the death penalty. Uh, and so uh, I can see why a man right on the bench, his first decision, uh, why he would uh, possibly um, choose that, that more conservative uh, cause, uh, course of action. And, Brad, looking at, at another part of the process, is, is there a danger now, you know, with the hearings becoming so uh, really almost uh, combative, are, are we going to lose some uh, good men and women who, ju- or who may just say, you know, I don't want to go through that kind of hassle, and I don't want my family subjected to uh, that, that, that kind of uh, combative uh, uh, verbosity? Yeah, it, it's, it is really tough. Um, and, of course, the, 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 the time when uh, Alito's wife you know, just started crying and had yeah. to leave the room, um, I think that was the epitome of what we're, we're talking about and what families go through, and um, at least just a, a sample of it. I, I think that um, uh, that there may be some who uh, who shy away, but I think all, all in all, um, most justices 
uh, who are competent, qualified uh, or attorneys. They're used to confrontation. I don't, th- I don't think it'll keep them away. I really don't. I think instead, though, what it means is it, it just it sets a pave a groundwork for, for a ground for for more um, confrontation and uh, hostility and partisanship in the mm-hmm. selection of judges, and uh, that can be very very dangerous because. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, then we, 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 we miss, as you just said, um, losing some of the, the best candidates for judges. We simply don't want to go through with it. So that is a, that is a possible downside. Well, Brad, thank you. We appreciate uh, all the work you do. Remember, friends, you can contact Brad and the Pacific Justice Institute at one 9129 That's one 9129 And, of course, Brad, you got a dynamite website there at pacificjustice.org, pacificjustice.org. And, Brad, we'll look forward to checking in with you next week. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Right back with you here on Lighthouse Live, Mike Douglas, along with Elaine Harlan. And, uh, Elaine, we've got some great opportunities on the uh, radar screen right now here in the Modesto area. We do, Mike, from the Volunteer Center of the United Way, the Community Hospice Hope Chest Store, where volunteers are needed to sort, price, cashier at any of the three stores in Modesto, and then there's one in series. So if you're able to lift heavy boxes, and uh, that's especially needed. So flexible volunteer hours are also available between Monday and Saturday, 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., depending on the site. You can always call for that. In fact, we have a dear friend as a man who has been an AV, uh, ABC volunteer, and he sets the example of volunteering at community hospice as a, a gentleman who has cancer himself, mm, and yet yeah. he reaches out to cancer patients, and he's just an inspiration uh, to everybody who knows him. The Modesto Gospel Mission, where volunteers uh, can provide hope to the homeless. Uh, you needed to assist children ages 3 to 12 with arts and crafts in the Children's Center weekdays from 9 to 10.30. Uh, you can monitor and interact with at-risk youth at GATE, and that stands for God Anointed Teen Encounter, and that's Friday evenings from 8.30 until 11 p.m. Or you might want to build shelves and uh, make a food storage area a little bit better, or you may be able to sew, and they need curtains for the women's shelter living room, so there's all sorts of things that you might We're all uh, gifted differently, aren't we? All gifted differently. You see, if I tried to do crafts with the children it would traumatize them for life i'm afraid so i'll have to do something different there we'll figure out something and physicians <laughs> hey uh, medical providers uh, can also volunteer just one day a month treating uh, needy individuals at the clinic the hours can be arranged to fit the doctor's schedule and uh, since 1948 this is so cool the modesto gospel mission has provided nutritious meals warm beds and a place for safety for thousands of poor homeless men women and children And friends, these are just a couple of items uh, from the Volunteer Center of the United Way. And for more, uh, you can call 209-524-1307, extension 113, 209-524-1307, extension 113. And for an updated list of opportunities, please visit the ABC website. You can click on to the daily update page. Again, that's www.vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org. Well, you know, the Lord God... God said, it is not good for man to be alone. He said, I will make a helper suitable for him. We remember that back in the second chapter of Genesis. And, and friends, nothing's been the same since, has it? <laughs> Amen. It is just a pleasure to welcome tonight uh, our friends, of course, our resident Dr. Jim Henman, Steve Wasson, and Terry Benner from First Baptist. Uh, just a big warm welcome to you all, and happy Valentine's Day to each of you. Thank you. 
Welcome to be here. It's, it's so great to have you here, and we're going to hear the sirens and all sorts of things in the background, and that's, uh, that's real radio. It's happening here. And, uh, anyway, that's, that's not your car with not, the alarm going off. No, there, I don't right? think no, I have no. one. It's not yours, is it? No, I hope not. Well, well, Valentine's Day brings lots of images and thoughts to our minds, as Pastor Mike was talking about earlier, and it's about relationships. And uh, Terry, we know at First Baptist you're dealing with a lot of folks mm-hmm. in relationships, and you want to share with us how that ministry came about, how the Lord laid that on your heart, and, and uh, what kinds of things are on your mind? Well, I think about uh, three years ago, uh, we decided that we weren't helping people the way we needed to. Um, we were had a fairly uh, effective ministry in terms of doing all of the things that you would think you'd need to do for couples in terms of uh, marriage, conflict resolution, communication, those kinds of things. But what we recognized was that um, although we were doing a lot of external fixing, there was a lot of internal issues that weren't being mm. dealt with and moved through. And so we kind of rearranged the uh, table, so to speak, and we began to look at marriage not as uh, an issue of couples, but as an issue of individuals. Mm -hmm. And so when a couple comes in at this point, um, we want to make sure that we move through a process where uh, we deal with the person individually, first of all. And then we begin later on to deal with the issues as a couple because we believe that God wants to transform the mind and the heart Mm. and the belief system and whatever strongholds they may be dealing with that are hindering things like communication, conflict resolution, and allow God to begin to transform those things. And we find that the other issues, conflict resolution, communication, those things begin to uh, take care of themselves, so to speak, as the spirit changes the person's heart and mind. Something about getting that vertical relationship yeah. taken care of first yeah. before you work on the horizontal. And we find, you know, we find that you know, people come in uh, in their in their their walk with the Lord Jesus with what we call strongholds, belief systems that the world's given them in terms of how things should work and why they should work, and uh, a lot of bad information that we keep functioning according to and wondering why things don't work very well. So what we want to do is take them through what we call marital discipleship, about an 8- to 12-month process of identifying strongholds, belief systems that they tend to be holding on to that they don't even maybe recognize. Mm -hmm. And in that process, the first three months is just getting to know them, understanding what's going on with them and uh, their perspectives and so on and so forth. And then in that process, building trust between myself and the couple, and then in that process also identifying those strongholds and taking them to a place where they say, yeah, that, that is true of me. I didn't recognize it, and then beginning to work on breaking those apart. And in that process, we do work with the couple in marriage because marriage has their own strong, its own strongholds. Mm-hmm. As we've lived together 15, 20 years, we develop strongholds with one another of assumptions and perceptions. And so we want to be in that process in terms of dealing with not only the individual, but also down the road uh, with the couple, but also with the, the goal of transformation in mind. That's what the Lord Jesus would want. So that's kind of how we approach those issues. Amen. Very, very good uh, ministry that you have there. It's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And you do this one-on-one with the couples. It's not a class like... You no, know, it's definitely one-on-one. We're, we're in the process of training other couples to move to, to do this also. I'm working with probably 10 to 15 couples right now in that process and training others to do it. But um, uh, we've, we found that it, it needs to be a long-term environment in terms of um, close to a year 
to really identify and deal with the issues in a in a right way in a good way. Yeah, you would know. be a busy man, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it really takes At time times, for that cement to firm up in the healthy way, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It makes a large difference for us. And to relax and be patient, not try to fix things, but to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to transform how people see themselves, see God, see each other, um, in that sense of uh, new sight, so to speak. So, well, and that, that runs contrary mm. to our society now, doesn't it? I mean, we, you know, people call up and they want the in-and-out burger of counseling. You know, a drive-in, <laughs> fix it, drive out, and we're done, right? Fast everything. Mm. And the interesting thing is, is one of the things it does is when, we, when couples usually come in, it's usually about the other person. Right. Will you please <laughs> fix the other person so I can be happy? And so when we say, you know, this isn't going to be about the other person, it's going to be about you, but there's some real empowerment in that in terms of you have a lot of influence over yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, But coming to the place saying it's not going to be about the other person, so there's a defining moment there when people decide, do I want to enter into this and deal with myself uh, as opposed to having you deal with my spouse? And many times a couple, someone will say, you know, I really don't want to do that. I'm not excited about that. At least they're honest about the resistance to it. We put those, lay those before them. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a filtering system for us also to let us know who really is open to the work of the Spirit and uh, are willing to recognize some truth about themselves once they see it. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how we approach these things. And, you know, as we're looking at Valentine's Day, and so many couples are celebrating right now, and that's a wonderful thing. Many engagement rings are given around this holiday, and, and, and we kind of, don't you think, sometimes blindly go into these things, and you're not thinking, mm-hmm. you're laughing, Steve, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about strongholds and all mm-hmm. those types of things, mm-hmm. but, but we really do need to, to do that, don't we? There's probably a little God protection there. I mean, if we knew everything about each other, and, and you know, I, I, I don't know that we'd, we'd get married. You know, mm-hmm. I think God does uh, allow us a little bit of intentional blindness there, you know, at the, at the very beginning, but also the tools to mm-hmm. uh, mature uh, mature as well. Steve Lawson, let's talk a little bit about uh, your practice uh, here in town and uh, some of the things that, that you often find yourself dealing with in the area of marriage. Well, I think love is blind <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> and uh, I, I heard it put one time, I thought it was rather good. I was uh, Dr. James Dobson. In fact, he said, Go into marriage with both eyes open, but after you're there, keep one eye closed. <laughs> I thought that was pretty sound advice. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. <laughs> it's a good but, quote anyway. <laughs> it sounds good. Well, uh, I, I see clients, and I do marriage counseling, and I do uh, rehabilitation counseling, I do disability counseling, a lot of different things. So um, working, I've been working with people for quite some time, been a counselor about 25 years i had a larger practice and now i'm just down to me so that's kind of nice <laughs> i don't have to worry about all those you know things. you don't mean you're counseling you you mean you have <laughs> no as a matter of fact i, like I have a full-time job being married. <laughs> i told my wife i was going to talk about communication if we could talk about it she goes i don't want to talk about it no no I'm serious. no no she, we did it was good <laughs> no i just joke um, so anyway, I, uh, no, I think I know some of the same people that Terry was talking about, though. <laughs> Someone once said that uh, uh, all good marriages are very different and all bad marriages are the same. Mm. There's a lot of truth mm-hmm. in that. The yeah. patterns. Common, common thread here, you know, yeah. experience. It's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jim sees a lot of the patterns, the people mm-hmm. that walk into your office and that you... Well, I was thinking when, when Mike was starting out today about appliances are not a good uh, gift <laughs> for Valentine's Day. <laughs> What is so funny and tragic is that what people hunger for the most in their marriage 
is the gift of thought. Mm. And it's not how expensive it is. It's that you have thought about the partner, connected that thought with action, taken action on that thought, and given it freely. If you give the same gift begrudgingly, it will not have the same impact. God says it is more blessed to give than receive. He's talking about free giving, not begrudging giving. Hmm. makes a huge difference. The gift of thought. Or with strings attached. Strings attached will kill the freedom of the giving. Indeed. Gentlemen, let let me throw out a a verse here. And and let's uh, talk about this for a little bit and how it affects marriages. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, you know, that was one of those ones, and I'm sure you've had, well, maybe it's just me. You know, I've I've read scriptures, you know, for almost 50 years now, and you blow by some, and and all of a sudden one clicks, and you think, wow, you know, there's something deeper there than than I than I saw before. And how does that verse play into the Christ-centered marriage? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What do you what What do we think that means, and how can we apply that to our marriages in a in in a Christ-centered? <clears throat> parameter steve do you want to take the first sure shot at that um i've often thought about that and how that really sort of fleshes out and i i can kind of talk from my standpoint that for me um i kind of look at it like this that that listening is sort of a duty we all listen to people but do we really hear Mm -hmm. i mean do we really really hear and that's a that's a huge part of this so for me um, I try to not only hear my wife, but hear my kids and hear others and stuff. And, and, and I don't just mean hear them with a, a, oh, okay, that's fine, and my defenses go up, but try to have humility mixed into this, as Christ would. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I believe that's a big part of this, because we can all tell you about communication. There's all different techniques in this, that, and the next thing mm-hmm. for hearing, listening, what you say, how you say, and all that kind of stuff. But really, you know, it, it comes down to the intent of your heart and mm. just a real quick uh, thing is christ talked about um two sons that were one the father went to one and said go out and work in the field and he says no i'm not going to and then uh, actually he said he will but then later he didn't and then the other one he says to the younger brother he says well your brother didn't go under you go do it and he says uh, i'm not going to do it but then he later went back and did it and you know you take a look at that and there's two parts of that and one is attitude and one is cooperation mm-hmm. and to me it's not just about what we say but it's also about what we do and how we cooperate and how we our attitude towards marriage and boy there's a lot could be said about both of those Absolutely. they both are big components to marriage and, and uh, communication you know I, I think that that as christians we often do not use our inheritance in our marriages god has given us the ability to let him through us as new creations deal with our partners and when i hear the ephesians uh, um, citation i think about the gift that he allows us to borrow his eyes to borrow his nature freely his spirit through us can help touch ourselves and our partners. And so often, we don't use the inheritance that God freely gives us. I'm sure it breaks his heart. When I am upset with giving freely, uh, in the uh, Willing to Be a Fool for God uh, CD, I talk about the fact that since we're now empty nesters, Sonia and I, I do the dishes. That's 
one of the jobs that I do as an act of service. That's one of Sonia's love languages mm-hmm. is the act of service. I can talk all day long, but if my stuff is all over the house, <laughs> she won't hear anything except the dirty dishes and, uh, and, and things like that. Yeah. So if I come out after a long day and I don't feel like doing those dishes, I will stop. And the first thing I will do, which is the secret of grace, is I will feel good about noticing I don't want to do the dishes. I'll feel good about noticing that. I will turn to my big brother, Jesus, and I'll say, Lord, I don't want to do these dishes. I don't, And I'll whine for a few minutes, and he is so patient with me. But as I get the whining winding down, then I'll make a deal with God, as I often do. And I'll say, okay, Lord, here's what I'll the deal I'd like to make. You start the dishes, I'll take over when I can. And as weird as that may sound, it's absolutely biblically sound. Because who am I truly? A new creation in Christ. So when I'm allowing him through me to start the dishes, he will always give freely. And he will also give grace to me when my old nature is sniveling and whining and resisting. So he's giving grace both to my not wanting and empowering my ability to want to give it. So I'll start out letting him start it. And by the time I finish feeling the water for a little while, before I know it, I am freely doing the dishes. I finish the dishes. Hey, Sonia, do you want a cup of tea or, you know, a cocoa or something? And that freedom has blessed me as well as Sonia. And you are enjoying what you're doing. I'm actually enjoying it, yes. but I didn't start out that way. No. I started out resenting it, and if I just do it resentfully, it drives it deeper. So God will help us change our heart. Like mm-hmm. both of you guys were saying earlier, he willingly will help us change our heart, but we have to start where we're starting, not where we want to end up. Mm-hmm. We so need that, to be real. Jim, you mentioned a minute ago being able to uh, see through God's eyes that yes. inheritance that he's given us. And, and, and Terry sounds like, you know, that, that Christ-centeredness mm-hmm. is so important. You know, we think of uh, well, recovery programs. We think of a lot of different things, that, a lot of different tools that we can give people. But without that reverence for Christ, wh- wh- where are we in the process? I think that, uh, that that's an important issue because... The precursor for any viable, healthy relationship is our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And uh, the precursor to that is the issue of surrender. For us, as we work through these issues with people, we define surrender as a willingness to give up your rights, what you deserve, what you feel you should have, because that was the essence of what Christ did. He gave up his rights. He came to earth and gave them up. So as followers of Jesus... We step into that surrendered mode of whenever I'm in, I'm in a conversation, there are things we're trying to decide or solve or issues we're trying to arrive at a place that's, that's good. Uh, the first thing I want to do is say, Lord, I want to give up my right to have what I want. I want to give up my right to get what I deserve. And usually uh, we have rights and what we deserve based upon either who we are or what we've done. Right. I have a right to this because I've worked all day on the home and uh, I should have some rest, and so on and so forth. So when people back it up and say, first of all, I want to enter into this conversation by giving up some things for the sake of the Lord Jesus, much like what Jim was talking about, only kind of in a different way. Because most of the time when we, when we talk about the issue of anger and frustration, when we always back up our anger and frustration, we trap backtrack it like a doctor would giving you a physical and saying, what did you eat, what did you do, where were you at when this happened? And we say, usually the anger comes from the issue of I didn't get what I deserved, 
mm. or what I had a right to. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sense of peace and that sense of, of relationship where we can enter into it and make the other person feel safe is first coming to that place mm-hmm. of that issue of surrender. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we don't ignore our needs and we don't express no. what, we, what we need and we should have. But when we find ourselves getting angry and frustrated, it's usually because we've taken that need and we've turned it into a right. Mm-hmm. That's and a good that's point. the issue that, that comes before us before the Lord and saying, wait a minute, uh, if I'm going to follow you, I need to give these things up. Yeah. And, you know, God always talks to me in word pictures. And I talk about the flashlight and the lantern. Yes. And the flashlight is where I feel entitled. And I'm not seeing the whole picture. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit yeah. always uses a lantern. The same rights are true for all of God's yeah. children. There's no specialness among any of us. And we're all special. Mm. And so in what you're talking about, to hold up that lantern that allows to realize the value of who you are in him gives you an abundance that makes it possible to not hold up exactly. what is my right mm-hmm. because what's important is to be becoming more and more like him That's right. in all areas mm-hmm. in all areas and that will make that surrender or submission makes which it possible the world doesn't like that word do they that submit and surrender no, and, and you know, I, I was just thinking too, and, and I don't. I assume Paul maybe is intentionally saying this. A lot easier, you know, if, if we have a relationship with Christ to do things out of reverence for Him mm-hmm. rather than reverence for our spouse. That's right. Right. I mean, I mean, if, if something occurs in our relationship with our spouse or our children or whoever it is we're trying to communicate well with. Not grammatical, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> you know that reverence for Christ can maybe uh, can't can't that get us, get us over that obstacle maybe sometimes. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that when when I talk with people, I say there are three things. What happens? I, this is going to sound funny, but I believe we've made marriage way too important in our culture. Mm-hmm. I think we are too focused on it. We 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 live there, whether our marriages are successful or not, whether we're happy, whether we're not, whether we're pleasing people. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're not called to be marriage disciples. We're called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus. And so the issue of when I get up each day, my goal is not to please my wife, although I love to please her or anyone else. My goal is, first of all, to know the Lord more more profoundly, to please him and to become like him. Mm -hmm. And under that lies the issue of my marriage, your relationship with children, Everything my decisions, else falls in my place. choices. And so yeah. I'm not owned by people, I'm owned by the Lord. And it Amen. simplifies my life tremendously in terms of where my focus is and how I feel about myself at the end of the day. Um, because I may not do everything that might please Joanne. And, right. uh, but um, have I pleased the Lord? Yeah. And uh, then I've got to rectify those two things if it's not working real well. But that's right. that's, that, Great I point. think that's one of those things that we want to kind of think about friends we're celebrating valentine's day and and marriage and and all those good things with some great friends of ours here tonight and you know we've heard the phrase hopeless romantic i think our lord is an endless romantic amen he's a lover of our souls and how many of us long to know that our loved one will be there no matter what a love song of all love songs for our hopeless romantics tonight here's kevin mcdougall with i will be here on lighthouse live
Kevin McDougall on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike Douglas, Elaine Harlan, and our very special guest tonight. We have Jim Henman, Steve Lawson, and Terry Benner with us. And I'll tell you what, what a great song with a great message. And what one of us would not like to hear that song? I'm going to be here through whatever happens and no matter what we go through. But sometimes living that out is a, a little bit different thing. And um, when the going gets tough... How would you finish that? Well, I think the first thing is to realize that honesty needs to also reflect his nature. Mm. Because mm. brutal honesty has no place in a marriage. Mm. In fact, it really has no place in a Christian life. That's brutal an ugly honesty. word, isn't it? Brutal, brutal yes. honesty. Yeah. 
we often think that with our partner we should be able to say whatever we want to say, however we want to say it. And I'm sure you guys have seen the carnage that comes from that. Grace-filled honesty, again with the lantern that sees Sonia and me with the same light, allows us to deal with conflict. I believe any couple that doesn't know how to have healthy conflict is a couple in danger. If you have a 747 and all the engines blow out at the same moment, the plane keeps flying the same for miles. There's many marriages that have blown out their engines. Mm. They haven't crashed yet. And if they can realize that healthy conflict is taking God's nature and applying it into that grateful humility that comes from realizing he loves us, not because we deserve it, but because of his nature. And it helps us, like you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. to bring that nature into the communication with our partners. Dealing with conflict is an extremely important part of that. I love that. And you know, we were talking about communication, and it's important to to say what you mean when you are communicating, but again, keeping that that lantern of grace mm-hmm. uh, you know, through throughout what we say and, and what we do, because our actions and our words and our body language, I mean, you know, you can... There's a lot that goes into that. Steve, you're nodding your head in agreement. <laughs> well, so much of marriage is about us defining who we are and having the other person find love and acceptance and approval. I think that those are some basic needs of who we are and how we see ourselves, how we see life, how we see our Lord and Savior and so forth. And um, so much of... Uh, Marriage, I think, in dealing with Jim Singh, uh, has to do with balancing truth and grace. I mean, if we have all grace, we're out of balance. If we have all truth, we're out of balance. Mm, mm. We have to find an equal balance somewhere in here to communicate with our spouses and and uh, do that in such a way that is right and is beautiful. <laughs> Isn't it great how, how wonderfully balanced God is? Mm. Yes. It's, it's, and, and, and it's hard to kind of be, be that, isn't it, Jim? Well, I guess I, I absolutely agree with you about the balance. Mm-hmm. I guess I look at it a little differently in that, to me, grace and honesty are inseparable. Mm-hmm. Jesus was not nice. He was loving. Mm-hmm. Grace is not nice. It's loving. And part of being loving is being open and honest with his nature. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like a dichotomy. But in truth, I really believe that grace is what allows us to be vulnerable enough to be that honest mm. and, and we, that loving. We have to have that, don't we? That have vulnerability. To. Have to. Uh, I think that, crea- that one of the things that um, that's really true that 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 creates that is that um, when I enter into a conversation or communication with someone to try and decide something, resolve something, uh, arrive at truth. Um, many times we make that arrival more important than the person. Hmm. Um, that is so important. Wow, yeah. So if I have a conversation or communication with Joanne, regardless of what we're trying to solve, deal with, disagree, um, I want her at the end of that time, and I believe she wants me to feel special, significant, and secure. That regardless of what we've talked about, where we've arrived, whether we agree or disagree, that you are more important and how you feel and how you know how I feel about you at the end of this conversation than whatever we're talking about. Mm. And so the issue of priority, 
that the relationship has priority, the person has priority over the function or the decision. And sometimes we just completely forget about the person. They become that adversary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes back to that issue of, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, when Christ entered into any conversation, the person was more important than the thing to be resolved. He created that safe place for someone, whether it was the woman at the well, whether it was Nicodemus. And it's amazing that those passages are back-to-back, mm-hmm. where you have two extremely different people, highly gifted, intelligent, a, a woman who's struggling in everything, and yet he creates a safe place mm-hmm. for right. both of those people. And, and so I think that's part of this issue we're talking about here that uh, is so important. You know, as we talk about learning how to deal with with each other with grace and, and such, we do go through seasons of life. Our circumstances change. We change. Um, you know, uh, uh, even how we react to each other may change for a variety of, of, of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we started out with in, in terms of knowing each other may change. And so we have to be a little bit flexible, don't mm-hmm. we? As, as, well, I as hope we it changes. Mm-hmm. If I better, was the yes. same person I was 33 years ago, I should be shot. <laughs> I was a terrible husband. I was a terrible husband. I wasn't even a Christian yet, but I... I I was a terrible husband when I became a Christian. It took years of him evolving me. But the world looks at things as winning and losing. Mm. Yes. There's a winner and a loser. The only way you can win in a marriage is for both of you to win. I really like what Terry said there. I do, too. That the moment you lose sight of what's most important is the relationship, you've lost your rudder. That, That is really so important. It's not about being right. Mm-hmm. It's not about what you're arguing over or whatever the issue is, mm-hmm. but it's about remembering how important and how special each one is. Well, and it's amazing how large things get that are not large. It's mm-hmm. not true. It, I mean, when we really talk about 90% of the things that are trying to be argued about, if either person, for example, gave up the right or gave up what they just thought they deserved, it, they wouldn't really miss that much. Their life wouldn't change. They wouldn't be that unhappy. But these things become so large. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it becomes it's, their gods. Yeah, it's a proportional thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That the smaller the Lord Jesus gets, everything else gets big. Yeah. And the smaller, well, the larger so well, he gets, say that everything, else, everything else gets small. Say that again. You know, the, the larger that the Lord Jesus in our life gets, the king gets, everything else seems to get smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the larger he gets... Uh, everything just just moves down in scale and significance and importance and uh, so I just it, it's just that that uh, sense of understanding who you are and where you're at in terms of that being a disciple of Christ and how significant he is in this relationship that you have with your spouse uh, so. you know he gives me like I say word pictures and identity Alzheimer's mm-hmm. identity yes. Alzheimer's the spiritual disease where new creations believe they are their old nature mm-hmm. mm. kills more Christian relationships than I've ever seen. Yeah. They forget who they are in Christ, right. and they think they are their old nature mm-hmm. and react accordingly. Mm-hmm. And, and, they forget, work. and they forget who the other person is. We have, mm-hmm. I have what I call a cumulative assumption right. that when I enter into a conversation with my wife, I have an accumulation of assumptions of what she's going to say, what she's going to do, how she's going to feel. And so I begin to make a decision and choice about how I'm going to enter this, rather than, as Jim said, seeing her as a new creation, seeing her as having changed, having being different, and making the assumption that I'm talking with a a creation in Christ, a new person who can possibly come at this differently than I expected, and giving her the 
um, the option to do that rather than putting her in the box I've always put her in. And that's that's that other issue that uh, of breaking loose from that. And then being able, if people are making assumptions about me, am I going before the Lord and say, I want to look at things differently. I mm. want to respond differently, to give them that opportunity to see me. And so that's very true. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's part of this, uh, this issue we're dealing with. You know, Steve, one of your uh, specialties is dealing with post-traumatic syndrome, especially uh, for vets. Uh, no, we're not only talking Vietnam now, we're talking the Gulf War and, and uh, now overseas in, in Iraq as well. How do those issues play into uh, even the Christian marriage today? And, and uh, what kind of uh, reminders, what kind of uh, signposts can we uh, give people who may be dealing with some of those little ticking time bombs in their relationships? Ticking time bombs is a very good word picture. Uh, well, these guys can tell you, too, that post-traumatic uh, stress disorder is a very serious disorder. And uh, basically, you can kind of look at it like this, that that, that the, it has a lot of components, but it does fracture relationships across the board. And it's not just uh, marital, but children sure. and friends and jobs and so on and so forth. The thing I would say that for anybody, and it, it's men and women both, it's not just a male or a female problem, right? Uh, and it's not just war. There's other factors that have caused that too. Any kind of traumatization where there's been real serious mm-hmm. set of events and so forth. Um, the thing I would say is seek help. <laughs> yeah. You know, seek help because that's the type of thing that you need someone to help get you out of. That's where the Bible talks about woe to the one who falls in a ditch and has not another to help him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very serious mm-hmm. disorder, and yeah. it's one that is growing. It's on the increase. Uh, we've, I mean, there, it's just there's so much that could be said about that. Um, there's counseling intervention. There's there's medicines that they make that help tremendously. Um, support groups, uh, especially through the Veterans Administration, mm-hmm. things like that. I, I've done contract work with them and stuff. But uh, um, I, I would say that it's the type of thing that you need help. <laughs> and it's God, not something you can just pray through, gut through. Right. Uh, or, you know, put away, hide from, outrun. In fact, that's what causes it in the first place is we block the pain or the trauma. Mm-hmm. And when we block it, it freezes mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but it stays active right. for years and years. Buried alive. We're with Jim Henman, Terry Benner, and Steve Lawson. And we'll be right back with lots more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. 
And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can do donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike, Elaine, and a wonderful time tonight with Dr. Jim Henman, Steve Lawson, and Terry Benner of First Baptist Church in Modesto. And, you know, we were talking about brokenness, and a lot of times we come to the marriage, or it happens during the marriage, I'm, I'm sure in certain cases. But, Steve, you were talking about the brokenness a little bit, and before what you were talking about before we went into the break, you want to elaborate on that just a little bit and talk about? Sure. Uh, I think that we all in a marriage sooner or later are going to find some type of brokenness be it physical spiritual mental or whatever and i'll use myself as an example i've gone through periods uh, in my marriage to where i've hit uh, ptsd as a matter of fact and mm -hmm. depression and stuff mm -hmm. and i've had to go on medicine i've gone for counseling and everything like that i know it works and so forth is that a brokenness absolutely it is mm. there's been times when i've had spiritual hit the skids because of traumas and things of that nature over my lifetime as a christian and uh, those things happen. I think the way I've recovered is I've gone for help, uh, sought treatment where needed, and uh, had a community of friends and believers 
And I think that that's a good formula for mm. getting through that. And the nice thing about it is my wife, Janet, <laughs> and I'm mentioning her name <laughs> yes. because I had noticed I had mentioned her. And she's a great I – got, I got the best wife in the world. I'm oh, serious. Sorry, guys. but no. great. <laughs> um, uh, but she's just stood by me the entire time and been wonderful, and mm. I couldn't have not asked for a better partner. And that means an awful lot to Doesn't me. Doesn't it? It just yeah. means sure. the world, as I'm sure Jim and, and Terry would both agree. Definitely. Um, I think the issue of brokenness, especially having a strong relationship where a person knows you well enough and can support you through that and you feel that sense of, of safety and security, the issue of brokenness is simply coming to a place of truth. Yeah that we recognize truth about ourselves, either that we didn't want to see um, or we just just missed it. We didn't know, and, and circumstances and situations bring us to that place where, okay, here's truth. And that's always the, the initiating place for God to be able to do change, to work things in our lives, that until we start with truth, nothing else really is possible. And so it's very difficult. And, I, you know, and, Steve and you know said, what makes that pardon? possible is grace. Exactly, yeah. Adam was right when he realized that he needed to hide mm-hmm. because he had the knowledge of good and evil without God's grace. Exactly. And, that, and the grace is so important because that is the thing that gives me the courage. I believe grace is what I call the pit bull of heaven. Mm-hmm. That we see mm-hmm. grace as an eraser that just erases sin. Mm-hmm. Grace really is more than that. Grace is God saying you can risk failure and it's going to be okay. Right. You can risk yes. trying to change Amen. and it's going to be okay. So grace really gives us courage because there's the safety net that we can go out and we can, you know, try things uh, to please him. And at times we fail and there's grace. I and like so, that. Grace gives us courage. I yeah, like it that. really does. True. And so I think in that brokenness, that's why, like Jim says, grace is so significant because it gives us the courage to work through that, face the truth, recognize it and uh, begin to work through those things. And when, uh, as men especially, when our, our wives hand us some brokenness on their part, we really have to handle that like a precious jewel, mm-hmm. don't we? If, if, yes, if, if we mishandle that... Um, They'll stop we, giving it. Yeah, we, and, and, and we, we can actually uh, uh, create a deep divide and a tremendous amount of hurt in a way that we may not understand, but it may have a, a tremendous effect upon our wives, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, I believe so, because not only is it God's grace, but our primary relationship here on earth is our spouse. And so it's significant for us to be grace givers. So we feel the grace not only from God, but the grace from our spouse to be able to work through that and to, for me to be patient, to be understanding, um, to be nurturing in that. And um, uh, I think more than anything else is to set myself aside, which is completely very difficult yeah, because sure. all of a sudden, gee, you're not meeting my needs because you're dealing with all your stuff. It goes against our And grain, so to set it? that aside, that issue of coming back, that's special and significant and secure. Am I letting her feel that? as she works through those things. And so, yeah, that's very important. I think it's one of the hardest things today is expectations. Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. The expectations one, that I deserve a good marriage, mm-hmm. and if I don't have it, it must be Sonia's fault. Yes. Uh, the expectation that I shouldn't have to work at it. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, mm. people pay wow. money to go skiing, downhill skiing, and work very hard. They don't think of that as work. But to have to work at a marriage... Mm-hmm. They think, well, that's something must be wrong. No, if you're working at your marriage freely, there's something very right. Mm-hmm. Something very right. That's right. You know, it, just very quickly, Steve, and I'm sure you've heard this, you know, and, and it's said jokingly, but I know some guys 
kind of believe it. You know, hey, I told you I love you when we got married, and if that changes, <laughs> I'll let you know. Right. And, you know, you we, we kind of joke about that, right. but um, some guys kind of operate that way, and, and it's You know very a good hard. response back to that, Mike? Go, go for it. Is to say, well, we had sex once. Do we have to do it again? <laughs> exactly. Because I'll tell you, if you're not giving loving messages, it's going to be very difficult for that partner to want to be sexual. How, it's a, it's an ultimate vulnerability. Mm. Amen. Right, Steve, what right. about the effect? And let, you know, let's say we do go through those periods, and we will, where we hit walls, where there is brokenness, where we have to really uh, help each other and hold you know, our collective arms up. What does that say to our children? What, what effect does that have upon them for future sure, generations? Sure. Well, I think we're talking about intimacy and so forth, and we're off talk, talk, talking about things that break it up, and there are things that can bring bring it about i think for kids uh i've often heard it said that the best thing you can do is show your your children that you love your wife or mm-hmm. your spouse mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and i think there's a lot of truth to that yeah. and for me a good example i mean i'm i'm one that likes to put a lot of fun and romance back in the marriage this morning uh i put shaving cream all over, shaving cream all over my face and i chased my wife around my my little five-year-old's watching and of course they're, they're both screaming like crazy and i'm chasing them making all kind of noise and i caught my wife and i rubbed it all over her face then i turned to my daughter and said you're next and i mean you know that's just they had fun we had fun it was just i, I just like you a lot more now steve <laughs> <laughs> really you're kind of high you know? i like you a lot more and, and i think for my for my daughter for my wife and sort of i mean this is these are things that it's not just about uh, talking about the academics it's also about having fun and enjoying one another and and allowing yourself to be mm-hmm. childlike not childish but childlike mm-hmm. too oh, and I be like romantic that. and be intimate and the thing that I totally agree with these gentlemen here is it, it's about me in this marriage i have to be who i am and and uh, be intimate with God and all those things. Men, we want to thank you so much. We ran out of time so quickly tonight, and that's a bummer, but we'll have to have you back again. Terry Benner, Steve Lawson, and Dr. Jim Henman, and friends at home, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you do have a wonderfully blessed Valentine's Day. Thanks for listening in. Have a great week, and may God bless you.